What is up guys, Jason here. Welcome back to the channel and our series, Nurses to Riches, The Road to Fire. After much anticipation, I finally managed to get some time with a nurse that is unlike anyone you will ever meet. He's a nurse that has one of, if not the craziest work ethics of any nurse. I'm talking 30, 40, 50 days of 12 and 16 hour shifts in a row. And he's probably one of the few nurses you'll ever meet that owns a Lamborghini. It's part of the reason why he goes by the name Lambo in our Discord server. So just like all our previous guests, we're going to talk with him about his career and we're going to tear his finances apart. So with that, Eric, please introduce yourself. Let us know where you're from and why you decided to become a nurse. Hey guys, what's going on? Glad to be on the channel. So my name is Eric, originally from the Bay Area. I went to school down in San Diego, stayed down in San Diego. And then when I finished, went to school for business first and then decided to go into nursing. Came up to the Bay Area because down in SoCal, they didn't make as much money. So the reason why I went into nursing was because I got into an accident my fiance at the time, she was a nurse in the ER. So when we were dating, I kind of went into the whole medical. I used to be a firefighter. So I went into thinking about doing PA, well, medical school or PA, one of the two. And then we got into this big accident. She ended up passing. Uh, we both went to different trauma hospitals. Uh, so I, find out, I found out that she passed away uh, waking up in ICU and the TV was on. So it kind of hurt me. So I thought to myself, there's one thing I should do for her. One last thing. She had an associate's degree in nursing. So I decided to go uh, back to school and um, get her bachelor's for her. So that's one of the reasons why I came, became a nurse. And a lot of struggle, a lot of struggle to get through nursing school because I had traumatic brain injury. I had to learn how to read and write and comprehend. So I was always just on the cuff of uh, not passing. But I ended up passing, made my way back into the ER and then back up to the Bay Area where all the money's at. So that's where I came from. And that's why I got to where I'm at today, you know, Damn, on, your, on your video. So, Damn, dude, that's that's <laughs> a that's a rough story. Like, how are you doing today, though, after, you know, going through what you did? Um, her anniversary, her passing anniversary is uh, actually November 1st, it, uh, right after Halloween. So time heals, but you never forget. So my body never forgets it. It gets into this funk every September and it's been over 10 years. So uh, I just really, you know, go through the motions, go through the same things. But uh, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Uh, made me a better person, realized different things. You know, when I was going through it, we just bought a house. So the house that I currently live in, we just bought it. And then we owned it for about a year and a half. And then when we got into the accident, I couldn't work. Her mom ended up taking all the money out of our account and couldn't come up with mortgage. So they were foreclosing on the house. All our cars got repoed. You know, future looked blank. Didn't look good at all, you know, and then just was going to give up. And then that's the whole idea of going into nursing. She enjoyed it. The money wasn't the big thing because down there in San Diego, they didn't make a whole lot of money. But, you know, the career was good. There was always hours. So it's not about, you know, let me give it a shot and go through nursing. And surprisingly enough, uh, had no money going through nursing school. Uh, had to think about how I was going to pay for school. I got accepted into school. I think they felt sorry for me because I, I wrote them the story about what happened. So they automatically, I guess, gave me a pass. That's how I got in. And then um, to pay for school was kind of, I didn't have any money because I couldn't work. And 
when I was going through uh, at San Diego State, I defaulted on a loan. So once you default on a loan, you can't get another student loan until you pay that one off. And I didn't pay it off. So I don't know, by a miracle, I applied for financial aid and they gave me all the loans, scholarships, grants to get through school. So that's how I got through school and uh, actually kept my house. I didn't pay mortgage for six years and they never foreclosed on my house. So I still I still have it. I still got it. And I'm doing my thing. So. Are you on time with your payments now? Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely on time with my payments. But um, man, I don't even know how if people ask, you know, I wrote my book and I, I put in there. I don't even know how I uh, how I survived in that, yeah. you know, in that time period, because yeah. it was just a lot of hustle, you know. So, okay, after you graduated nursing school, where did you land your first job? I landed it at the place where Jeanette worked, um, which oh. was down in the ghetto. It's uh, called uh, Paradise Valley Hospital. So mm -hmm. it's like a mile away. You can look it up. It's called the Four yeah. Corners of Death. Um, <laughs> and that's how bad it was. Like people would get shot like all the time. And then they would think we were a trauma hospital. So they would bring them to us. And then we would just be like, oh, we got to transfer them out. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And what I, unit was that? That was in the in the ER. In the ER, yeah. In the ER, I think I started off at I think it was like twenty six dollars an hour, um, one percent raise with a five dollar night day. Yeah. It was in San Diego. Oh. Yeah. Gotcha. So, how did you find out about the rates up in Northern California? Oh, I'm my cousins are, you know, being Filipino, <laughs> my cousins are still up here, so they would just tell me how much they got paid, and I was like, man, I got to go up there. And uh, here's the thing, a lot of people down, so when you have this big, crazy idea of just commuting back and forth and uh, not knowing where you're going to live or stay, people, you know, and I told people like, hey, you know, they get paid like two or three times the amount that we do. Um, I'm going to go work up there. And then a lot of people were like, oh, man, you're going to kill yourself. You know, you know, that's not a good idea. You know, if it's such a good idea, people would be doing it. And, you know, so I had a, probably out of 10 people, I told that this is what I was going to do. Nine of them said, uh, it's crazy. Don't do it. And then, you know, I always have uh, one of my friends going like, yeah, this, this seems cool. Kind of, <laughs> you know, like, all right, well, go do what you got to do. And so I did it. When I started, I actually took a position with uh, Sutter, where I still work now. It's per diem. But I took a position with them and still work per diem down in San Diego. So I flew back and forth constantly. So uh, I would try to group my my schedules together, you know, like work all at one. But uh, since I was new, I, I couldn't do it. So my only choice was as soon as I finished shift and go back down to uh, San Diego and then finish that shift, fly back up. Yeah. So, <laughs> so are you still flying back and forth? Yeah, but I, I have more control uh, of my scheduling. So I'll, I'll kind of try to work, you know, my OT, and if I'm on a roll, then I'll I'll work two straight, two weeks straight or something, and then, and then fly down. And then, you know, see how my parents are doing and go out. And it's a different lifestyle down there because it feels like nothing but, you know, like I'm rich or something like that. Like <laughs> just to drive, drive all my cars, my Ducati and all that stuff. So. so where do you stay when you're in Northern California? Do you have a place to stay up there? Yeah. Yeah, I have a, uh, I stay with my girlfriend. So she, okay. we have a house in Union City. And then okay. it's like kind of centralized. A lot of people live all the way out east, you know, 
down in Vallejo or Pinole or something like that, Hercules. But um, it's kind of convenient here. It's like real, it, it's expensive. I think the houses here go like 1.8, 2 million, you know, and it's not that big of a house. I think it's like yeah. maybe 2,000 square feet or something <laughs> like that. So it's not that big. I guarantee you there's going to be somebody in the comments saying, hey, you could just move to the Midwest and pay $400,000 for a 5,000 square foot house. That's true. That's true. But... You know. yeah. yeah. But then so, I, so I'm, I'm up here and then I fly down to my house down in San Diego. Yeah. Okay. And how much are you currently making at Sutter? At Sutter, I think it's about 100 and just under 120. Wow. And that's with how many years of experience? That's with 12. And you yeah. said that includes the night shift differential and uh, yeah. any other the differentials way they, you have. Yeah. So for per diem, they give you an hourly rate. And that hourly rate is based on the night differential and being per diem. Now, I based on like our uh, union book, I tried to figure out like by their percentage, but it's a lot higher than, I don't know how they figured it out, but it's a lot higher than how the union book puts it out. And I don't, you know, question it. So I'm just like, yeah. all right. <laughs> <laughs> right who's gonna complain about getting paid more than yeah. they should right? but it's so it's, it's, go ahead go ahead no i was gonna say like um working having the work ethic i do i get even even though i'm per diem at sutter so i usually can float back and forth from i can work either at eden summit in oakland or ashby campus uh but i'll get requests from like santa clara out and tracy out you know to these other hospitals, like I just got a text message saying to go work over out in Tracy Sutter, uh, and they're paying a bonus. And I think uh, the rate was like three twenty five an hour. That's wait, that's the hourly rate, not the bonus. No, that's an a, hourly rate. Yeah, three hundred and twenty. Wait, hold on, three hundred and twenty five dollars an hour. Hour, yeah, twelve <laughs> hours. Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. Oh my I god! Do it. I couldn't do it because I'm already. Yeah. I'm already booked at, you know, Sutter and then uh, or at, at the Ashby campus in uh, Tesla. So I couldn't hop on that. So I don't know how long that's going to last, but I already told uh, one of my friends. So he works, he works just as much as I do, but I had to put him on game on how to actually work better, not just work a whole bunch of hours. Yeah. So he started doing that. And, you know, he's the one that texted me, hey, you know, like just shoot on over here. You know, I already told my manager about you, you know. They just have to turn you on over here. And I was just like, I can't because I'm already scheduled to work this week. So. so how many hospitals are you currently employed in? Right now, just uh, Sutter. So Sutter, if need be, I can work at any Sutter facility. So um, I was working at Kaiser and then I quit Kaiser because I just, I didn't like their flow. Um, yeah. I don't know how it is with everybody, you know, all the other ones, but at Fremont, uh, the, their flow was kind of, you know, me and this other guy, I had him on my YouTube um, channel, but me and him were the new people and they would actually hold the fours, the acuity of fours in the waiting room and just give us, me and him, all the twos and threes, ones or whatever. Uh -huh. And all the other people would get the easier patients. And I'm all like, just give us the patients so we can, you know, decompress the waiting room they're like and eh, we'll just yeah you know the ambulances yeah. they wouldn't break down my assignment if i had an icu patient they wouldn't break <sighs> it down until um i was getting off so the person coming on would have a two patient assignment 
So, dude. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason why I'm still at the Kaiser I'm in. It's probably yeah. because it's one of the most laid back Kaisers I've heard of. Like we have so many nurses that have come from other Kaisers and they yeah. say don't they don't think they'll ever leave the Kaiser that we currently work in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the people there are cool. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But just the way they flowed, I totally understand. Yeah. Hey, I'm new. You're going to work me. That's cool. <laughs> but I mean, me, like me and this guy would have four patients and then some people would have one. Yeah, that's not right, dude. <laughs> I have one. I'm like, Come on. yeah, just, yeah. You can, you can have four easy yeah. ones. Just yeah. have four. <laughs> yeah. So aside from Sutter, I know you work somewhere else. Where is that? Uh oh, at Tesla. So I work at okay. Tesla, and I used to work at San Francisco General. So I did trauma over there for almost uh, was it almost ten years? Eight, ten years? Yeah. So it was pretty the eye opening over there. When I first got hired over there, man. I'm going to tell you, they, over there, it's cutthroat. Well, I don't know how mm. it is over there now, um, but <laughs> they, dude, if they didn't like you, they would they would try to get you either fired or try to get you to Jeez. quit. Yeah. Damn. That's how bad it's it is. that rough? <laughs> Even then, and- so one of my directors um, that hired me over at Sutter, she went and became a director. Over. They tried to get her fired over. <laughs> <laughs> dude, it's Damn, crazy. Dude. So why yeah. did you leave? So enjoyed working there. Um, always had fun, but the drive over there was like over an hour and 15 minutes and they were kind of not the highest, not even close to being the highest paid hospital. Uh, even if I went per diem over there, it's still not one of the highest. So then you have to look at it. You know, I got what I got out of there, which was a lot of knowledge. Uh, I'm very proficient in everything I do. So, I mean, you know, the ER to me is easy. And a lot of people take offense to that because um, they they find it hard to work in the ER. And they, it made me, I can work any hospital and just adapt to it real quick. You know, that's why I can get yeah. called to like Santa Rosa and just not be familiar. But I mean, it's all the same. As long as I know where the tools are, I'll, I'll treat the patient the same. And, uh, but after a while, you have to think to yourself, all right, you know, my time is worth something. Let me go somewhere that I can make more money, you know, hence Kaiser, you know, so Kaiser, I made, you know, they make pretty good. They used to be one of the highest, but not anymore. Um, And then now, you know, and I was thinking about going to Stanford at the time, um, but then I wanted something different. And that's, that's why I chose Tesla and um, different way of uh, thinking about how to get paid as nurses. (laughs) And, but how did you even find out about Tesla? Because I get all these people asking me, like, nurses work <laughs> at Tesla. <laughs> how yeah, does that yeah. happen? So there was a guy, so working at Kaiser Fremont, they were talking about some guy that used to work there that left uh, that ER to go work at Tesla. And, you know, they weren't talking to me. I was just, you know, kind of uh, hearing their conversation. So while they were talking, I was online at Kaiser looking up if they had an actual RN position for, uh, at Tesla, which they did. They said, uh, and you had to have five years of trauma experience, yada, yada, you know? So I applied that night I applied and they didn't ask for too much. All they asked was to copy and paste your LinkedIn bio, you know, (laughs) that was it, you know? So I was like two seconds, boom. And then I get a phone call the next day with, with a recruiter. And then I get interviewed. Um, this was Sunday, get get a text message from the recruiter on monday interview on tuesday interview again on wednesday and then 
the following week interviewed with the medical director and then hired the next day. I just so. want to let everybody know who's listening in on this. You're like the third person to like say something positive about LinkedIn. So oh. for those new grads out there, just make sure you update your LinkedIn bio yeah. and apply for yeah. jobs through there. They asked for that. So yeah. And then when you started working at Tesla, like what are the job requirements? What do they expect you to do? Are you still in an ER within Tesla? No, no. So it's kind of funky. So they require a trauma experience because they need to know that um, you got to have like really good, like, like, I guess, triage skills. Because what yeah. happens, my, my role over there is they employ like 20,000 plus people, right? At the Fremont um, yeah. factory. So their job over there is pretty strenuous. A lot of people, they work 16 plus hours and whatnot. They're a lot of, I think the oldest person I've seen work over there is like 70 or something like that. Wow. Looks to it. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, the youngest is 18, you know, so a lot of people cut themselves. A lot of people um, end up with heart attacks, you know, personal medical issues, uh, yeah. hypoglycemic, whatnot. So we have to determine if we're going to send them back to work, send them to urgent care, take care of them on campus at the medical facility that I'm at or um, out to the ER. Uh, and the biggest thing is if we're going to send them by ambulance or we're going to send them by uh, the personal vehicle or a ride share. And then, the, you know, because if you're going... If you're unsure, you can you know you you can't send this guy that's having a heart attack to a ride share. Yeah, you you, you know, and yeah, it would yeah. suck that you send him through there and then <laughs> imagine <and> that. <laughs> so, yeah, for that, sure. That, that's kind of why they want you to have yeah. all really good experience. And the people that I work with, they they have uh, a couple of them have military experience, so they were out in uh, the war and out in Iraq. I'm doing a lot of trauma. So a lot of people, good group of people that seen lots of trauma and seen knows what's sick. And then, so we get a lot of people that come in and go, you know, Hey, I feel sick. And I have to say, uh, now, you know, you're not that <laughs> yeah. sick. <laughs> yeah. So how is your particular place of work structured? Is it similar to like a clinic or is it an office? It's like a, like an urgent care. So we have this uh, place, in the factory and we can see it probably has like eight you know rooms that we can see eight different patients in um kaiser i think actually during the day they actually have uh, i believe they have a uh, urgent care in there so they oh. leave after a certain amount of time and then then i come in so i'm like the provider on so we have a a, a medical director that's off campus that i can contact at drop of a dime and he'll pick up the phone uh, but people walk in, we have an admin who's like the unit clerk and registration that registers the patient or, you know, the associate. And then I kind of listen and then see whether I have to determine whether it's like something repetitive that can be handled uh, through, I guess they have, they have something called uh, work right there. So what that is, is if somebody does something repetitive, they send out a physical therapist out online and then they'll show them how better body mechanics massage or whatnot, yeah. just to get them to keep going, you know, which is kind of cool. I've never seen that happen yeah. before. <laughs> so, yeah. And, um, but that's it. You know, it's the same thing. I check, check vitals and we have a 12 lead. I have um, standardized orders for meds that I 
I feel like that need to be given. No narcotics. You know, I suture over there. We have Lido, Lido with FD and whatnot, you know, and I'll do the sutures or whatnot. So well, do you enjoy working yeah. there? Oh, yeah, dude. I think, honestly, as long as you're comfortable with how you practice, if you're very confident, then it's pretty easy because there's no, you know, I don't get turnover from anybody. So the nurse that I'm taking over for, he's finished up all his patients and, wow. you know, and nobody gets admitted over there, you know, so yeah. there's nobody going to be held over. <laughs> you know, that, that is like the best kind of ER you could ever work in. <laughs> right. I mean, there's like, it's, it's, it's actually, I tell people, you know, I go in there less stressed and I leave even less than that, you know, you know, and that, you know, yeah. and they pay pretty, they pay pretty well, you know, um, I can't really yeah. say how much exactly, uh, but yeah. it, it's, um, pretty good. And especially cool. with, uh, the ESPP that they offer. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So now let's get to um, more of the financial stuff, right? Because like yeah. you're working these two jobs, right? And yeah. like I said, I saw your video, you were making $40,000 a month. Is yeah. that typical for you? Are you always making that much? I usually do um, probably like 36 to 45,000. Yeah. And how many yeah. hours are you putting in usually for that, you know, that amount of money? Um, well, in two jobs. So like right now I'm doing that. So I, I put in at least 80 hours at one spot and I believe 84 hours at another. So like 164 hours. Every two weeks. Every two weeks. Every two weeks. Yeah. Wow, dude. <laughs> so, and I know you're on our Discord server and you're always telling us, hey, I'm going to work another 16 hour shifts, 40 days in a row. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the most I've done was I think uh, 18 months. I did. I worked 18 months straight. Holy every day crap yeah and at the same time with the i think usf to do an online program i mean how yeah. does like how does your body and your mind feel after working that many days in a row you, you know the thing is it's uh so in the beginning oh man i was spent but mm. um the trick is is to have goals so the biggest thing is the goal. And it can't be like, hey, I'm going to send my kids to college or something like that. That's like the long-term goal. You got to have these short-term goals that you can see, actually feel, and actually accomplish. You know, so you get to one thing, you get to another, and, you know, and it just feels like uh, it's worth it, you know, based on whatever it is that you want to get, you know, and it motivates you. So when I started doing all this overtime, people used to, there was a, a stigma behind people that did overtime. You're either, you know, like broke, you know, and that's why you needed to do so much overtime. So when I started doing overtime, I was broke, you know, then I thought to myself, when we're in school, like we have to grind it out. You know, if you're, if you have a job or whatever you're doing, you know, you're not getting that much sleep. And if you're trying to have a social life, you're still not getting that much sleep, you know? So you go through how many years of school until you can actually, you finish. And then I thought to myself, man, you know, why did we stop grinding it out? You know, we just got to keep that grind going, you know, because we're never done until you're done, until you get to where you got to be at. So my whole goal was to be part of the 1%, you know, and in order to get to the 1%, you have to do more than what the average people do. So the average people work, you know, a nine to five, work the minimum and try to maximize what they make out of the minimum and that doesn't work so you look at any anybody that's accomplished not just financially but physically emotionally and uh you know educationally and career-wise they they put 120 percent in 
you know, Steph Curry didn't come in, you know, being one of the leading, you know, basketball players just by putting the minimum in, you know, he had to go out there and, and work his ass off when he was a kid all the way until today, you know, and same thing with Michael Jordan, um, Elon Musk, everybody, you know, this guy, Elon Musk, he's, he's a billionaire, but yet he still puts in hours, you know, and people ask me all the time, well, you make a lot of money. Why do you put, you know, so much hours? Because for one, I enjoy what I do. And it's, it's this is what I always say. If you see a broke nurse, they're lazy because we, <laughs> we make pretty good money. There's no reason for us to be broke. <laughs> so did you reward yourself after those 18 months of work in any way? Because you said you set some goals for yourself. What yeah. was that goal at the end of the 18 months? To save my house. So mm -hmm. I lived there for when we got in the accident, um, I couldn't pay the mortgage at all. So uh, a lot of my friends said short sell because at that time, you know, it was a housing market crisis. And um, but the problem with me short selling the house was uh, that would have got me out of debt, but I had nowhere to live. And I took care of my parents. So I had to take a shot and squat at the house. So I said, you know, I'm just going to live here until uh, the sheriffs kick me out because that's my only option. You know, and I had to deal with that. And every day, you know, I would go home from nursing school and, you know, at times have study groups at my house. I have to make sure that, you know, that sign that the sheriff might have put up, I would take it down because, you know, I was going through the foreclosure and for six years, it never happened. So I just started feeling comfortable that, hey, you know what, I'll be able to, you know, I believe in God. So he, he's somehow there's a miracle going on here, you know, that they haven't done this. And I'm, I'm going to work my ass off. I'm going to stack my money so I can show the bank that, you know, I, I can afford this house by myself. Because right now where I live, the houses are, you know, same thing, uh, 1.5 to $2 million, you know, and I'm the only, I think, person in the neighborhood that has a single income that's Wow. affording the house so and a lot of people over there are you know dual income and they're doing a lot of things so just having that goal right when i hit that and then i made the deal because i went through probably with bank of america over a hundred people managing my account to try to get me to qualify to a loan modification and the last one happened to be this filipino lady and she was just like you're gonna get it because you make a lot of money and she said i'll make sure that you get it and she did you know wow. she wrote out this thing she pushed for it and she just took the six years and put it on the back end. And, you know, I was like, dang. After that, I kind of knew like, hey, you know what? Anything is possible. So what are your monthly expenses like now? So you own this home, right? Or you have a mortgage. What do you pay monthly on that house? Uh, 5000 Okay. What was the value of the home when you first purchased it? Seven, was it 700000 And now it's worth, with the comparables in the area, about $1.5 million? Yeah, 1.5. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. So you're just like double in, in value right there. So aside from your home, what are your other monthly expenses like? So the Lamborghini, that costs me just about $4,000 a month. My other Tesla costs me about 1800 a month. Both my motorcycles cost 800 a month, but I pay it faster. So I'm almost paid off with one of the motorcycles and almost paid off with the second motorcycle. And my Mercedes, my S class is about, I think it's 900 a month, 875 or something like that. Um, my BMW paid off, I think. Oh, my Range Rover almost paid off. Dude, how uh, many cars do you have? <laughs> I think that's it. I think that's it. So basically, your cars are worth more than your house in payments, monthly payments. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think I my my home. So my monthly expenses, I think you know, with my American Express, I mean, just total out, total out. I think is like uh, eighteen, nineteen thousand dollars a month. Damn. So what would you do if, like, let's say for whatever reason you just ended up losing your job and you couldn't find another one? If I got hurt for some odd reason, I have this thing called um, living benefits. So if I end up getting hurt or something like that, it's a million dollar policy. So like, just say I got cancer, and mm-hmm. uh, They'll they'll let me take out ninety percent of my policy, gotcha. you know, to help cover yeah. whatever I need to cover. Yeah. Um, if I end up dying, I have like two million dollars worth of, uh, you know, life yeah. life insurance. Yeah. Life insurance. So your monthly payments, you say, are about eighteen to nineteen thousand or so. Yeah. And that, that's your. That's, that's not like obligated to. I just spend that money. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because at any moment, you can just sell the cars. If you really needed money and you didn't want to work all those hours every single week, yeah, you could do that if you wanted to. Basically, if I wanted to, I can just sell the house, move into a smaller house, and That's pay all true. my debt. True. You know true. what I'm saying? I because mean, it's, it's a $1.5 million house. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not it's not really going to affect me, you know? Yeah. I still have my investment accounts, and I still have... Uh, I took a big hit on crypto. Uh, when it when it collapsed so i think i lost about 100k you know jesus so, christ <laughs> i mean it is what it is i mean you, you gotta you gotta invest your money you know yeah. and be willing to take a hit if, if it comes so i yeah. took the hit and it's not a big deal it didn't break me so so what are your other investments like how much um, are you investing in your 401k or your 403b what i do is i max everything out and then i take out a loan for like 50k on either 401, 403. And, um, and then I bought, I put it back in, you know, so I make a payment to go back, but I, my term on that is like 15 months. So mm-hmm. everything offset. So I always have cash um, on hand and just in case I need to make an investment or, you know, buy whatever. And I pay that back, mm-hmm. but it rotates. So every 7.5 months out, I'm paying off a loan, taking out another one. And, it, and it's only half, it's only 50,000 because that's as much as you can take out. And um, the, the interest rate comes back to me, you know, because I pay, I pay myself yeah. the interest rate. And that's why a lot of people are like, hey, you know, you, you got to be aggressive. It's either you're going to lose it, lose it somewhere, you know? So the biggest thing I did was prior to COVID hitting, they said to leave your money in there because it'll bounce back. Because if everybody took out all their money out of their retirement, then it would have collapsed. But yeah. knowing the fact that you could take out 100K, so take it out and then reinvest it on the down and then recoup when it comes back. And that's basically what I did. Gotcha. I think yeah. I'm too scared to do that. I just keep my money in my 401k and just like, <laughs> I write it out. I write it out. <laughs> I don't want to I mean, time the market. <laughs> it's safe. It's safe doing that. So it, it's all who you, you try to listen to and kind of mimic your life to be like. So a lot of the people, they take chances, but calculated chances. I'm, I'm never going to risk everything on it because I don't think anything is worth that much. But you know, money is money. You know, I yeah. I was able to bring myself from negative zero because when I got into the accident, my medical bill was like eight hundred thousand dollars, and then her mom was suing me for a million, so I was already one point eight million in the hole, and possibly losing the house.
house, lost all my cars. So knowing that coming from that, getting to where I'm at now, I mean, anything is possible. So nothing really scares me of, you know, money is money. It's, I think the biggest thing where people stress out is that they make it more than what it is. And I try to tell people when you die and you come back, because when I was intubated and listening to people describe how they looked at me and thought I was going to die. And I was just like, man, there was a chance that I could have. And all that worrying prior to me getting into an accident, that was my choice. So now I choose not to worry about anything, you know, like what am I going to spend or whether I can afford it or not, if I'm going to be tired or what, what people say. So that kind of skewed my way of thinking. Yeah. I think you got to have like a very life altering experience like you did in order to have that mindset, because, you know, not many people have experienced what you've experienced, all that hardship, all the pain, the angst that you felt. Yeah, like David Goggin, the same thing, you know, when you, you read yeah. the book, his childhood growing up was like, man, crazy. You know, and same thing with like Eric Thomas, the people that did great things had something in their life that made them think different. And I try to tell people how to change their life and don't wait for a life changing thing to happen. Because when that happens, man, it's going to be hard because you're not, it's not like, hey, I'm going to change my life. It's whether or not you cross that fork going like, I'm just going to go all the way into drugs or work hard at it. And there's a lot of, man, you know, working at the general I talked to a lot of the homeless people and a lot of people gave up, you know, and they decided not to work hard at anything because they, yeah. they felt like they can't, you know. Now now I just like uh, hit the Peloton. So I'm going to try to yeah. go 100 miles. Oh, Hold staffing. on. It's uh, overtime every day. <laughs> <laughs> that's from Sutter? Yeah, that's from Sutter. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so do you pre-schedule yourself for all of these shifts in a row? Yeah, I pre-schedule. So um, the biggest thing where it helps me that I've learned a lot was working with the scheduler. So mm-hmm. I'm per DM. She puts me on the schedule because it's short all the time. So I'm able to kind of guarantee my hours if I want. And it's worked out because there was at a time where I worked at Sutter and at the General. And I had to have the perfect schedule because mm-hmm. if I didn't, I would have schedules that overlap and I wouldn't be able to, uh, you know, work two jobs because I basically worked four days at Sutter at the time and three days at the general. And, you know, with two different schedulers, I'd have to make it happen. But I became really good friends with the scheduler at the general and good friends with the scheduler at Sutter. So they, they knew I worked both jobs and they would just say, Hey, what's your schedule? And then even though I didn't have seniority, they would put me into that schedule. You know (laughs) why? It's because if they ask you to work, you worked. Yeah. <laughs> and they exactly. knew that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I would say 99% of the time, I'd say, yeah. <laughs> so aside from the $18,000 in expenses that you have and your investments, do you know the true value of all of your investments? Um, yeah. I mean, right now, so in crypto, I um, I lost a lot. So but right now, mm-hmm. it's only worth like twelve grand. you gotcha. know, um, yeah. down from like 150 that yeah. I had. That's and then, rough. Um, yeah. And my 401, that's down 30. So had a over 100,000. And then I borrowed half, which is 50. And I'm paying that back. I should have that paid off like in six months. And then, you know, I'm, I'm just uh, my stocks. I, I think I not that much. So I only have, I think, about 40,000 in stock. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. So for somebody who wants to be able to earn that that kind of money, um, what would be your recommendation to them? Like what kind of steps should they take to get to that point? 
Well, it's a mindset. So you have to have that mindset first. And in order to get that, I mean, you have to be goal oriented. Don't worry about what everybody else is thinking. Because when I told people, you know, my bright idea of uh, buying a Lamborghini, the first thing was like, hey, nurses don't buy cars like that. Oh, doctors barely do whatnot. And I was just like, okay, but, you know, express your goals and who cares what people think about them. And as long as it's something that you want to have or do in life, then do it, you know, and if it takes to work some overtime, do the overtime and, you know, make investments. You got to invest. In the beginning, I, I spent a lot of my money you know, I never made this much money before. I think the most I'd made was like $50,000. Down wow. in San Diego, when I was working as a firefighter, I think I, I got paid like $13 an hour. So yeah. not making that much money. And the biggest thing, here's the biggest thing. When you don't make that much money, you don't know how to spend it or invest it. And so when I work and I talk to a lot of the techs and even some of the nurses that aren't investing, a lot of them don't invest because they, they, they want to have the money to spend now. You know, and I tell them, hey, you know, max out your 401. And they'll be like, well, you know, I, I'm like, hey, the money you don't put in to your 401 that you could have just goes straight to the government. So why not try to keep it? You know, yeah. if you're only putting 10,000 and you can put in 19,5, you're giving 9,500 to the government in taxes. I agree. You know, so max that out. You know, I try to sell max everything. out. I max everything out at Tesla and just work OT over at uh, Sutter to make up the difference because yeah, um, they have something called, I think, employee stock purchase plan. And mm -hmm. that gives you 15% off the lowest trading either in August or in March. So if it's like 250 in August and 800 in March, you get 250 minus 15%. That's what you buy it at. Yeah. Damn. Right. Have you taken advantage of that yet? Yeah. So they give you 15%, up to 15%, they'll take out of your check post-tax. Gotcha. So yeah. I try to not take out too much. So I, I max out. I do like 25% of my check going into my 401, then 15% going into the ESVP. So I'm only really taking home, what's that, 40, 60% of my check, less tax. Yeah. It's like software developers that get RSUs. Yeah. They get a piece of the company. In essence, they, get a, they can get the option to have a piece of the yeah. company, you know, when they vest. But yeah, that's pretty similar to that, you know, because they make most of their money off of their RSUs. Yeah, know, a lot of people, I, I told them I don't want to raise, just take my money and put into, mm -hmm. you know, more RSUs that you're going to give yeah. me for the year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. So Eric, it was nice talking to you, man. For those people that want to get a hold of you, where would they look? They can, you know, go, go on my YouTube channel, IJGR. It just got real on YouTube. And uh, I, I think you guys can shoot me comments on the videos. Leave me your email or whatnot. And then um, I also Instagram and all that, IJGR. All right, guys, that's it for this video. But if you want to be a guest in our Road to Fire series, then make sure you click on the link in the description below. And if you like this video, I'm sure you're going to like all of our other Road to Fire videos by clicking on this playlist here.